after time I went searching for peace in some void. I was trying to blame all my ills on this world I was in. Surface relationships used me till I was done in. And all the while someone was waiting to free me from sin. He was there all the time. He was there all the time. Waiting patiently in line. He was there all the time. starting to rhyme sharing each new day with him is a cup of fresh life oh what I've missed he's been waiting right there all the time he was there all the time time, waiting patiently in line. He was there all the time. He was there all the time. He was there all the time. Amen. All right. Thank you. I'd never, no- never noted or heard that little phrase in the middle of that song, um, and it really popped out to me this night, tonight. I wrote that down. Sharing each day with him is a cup of new life. Sharing each day with him was a cup of new life. And I thought that was a great line. And uh, we needed that sustenance, don't we? And uh, just to be refreshed in the Lord. That's what Wednesday night service is. And uh, just a refreshing time in the Lord after, uh, you know, the world kind of just wears down on us. And it does. It wears down. And, uh, and so thankful for the privilege to be here this evening. Go ahead and turn tonight, if you would, to John chapter 16. <clears throat> John chapter 16, and um, we are going to look this evening at a, a topic. Really, it's a, it is a topical message. It kind of has two different ideas. And the idea that you see tonight, the main focus of this, the service tonight, is what you see on the screen right now, the idea of truth. And I think truth is so very important, but... Um, often lost in the world in which we live. And it's become more and more muddled all the time uh, what truth actually means. And, 
If you think back over the last 100 years, 100 years, the truths that have, and I, truths that have been changed in the last 100 years. And, and it's, it's, a, it's astounding when you were to stop thinking. If you go back 100 years and, and all that has taken place, all that has changed in that time. And even just, we come a lot more uh, forward than that, way less, just my lifetime, a third of that, and we consider the, the things that have changed. I know in my lifetime, there's been a, been a redefinition of what the baby in the womb is. It's a fetus. It's not a child, right? And that's been something that's been redefined even in the last just several years. And, and you could probably think of many things as you think about our society and the truths that have been trampled upon. And, um, you know, you, you, in your mind, uh, there's some that come right to mind with all the issues today that you are expected and required to go along with somebody's delusion about their gender. You know, the truth that has been changed in our society. I mean, it's, it's mind-boggling. It really is. There's been a lot of change. When we look out in the world, though, those truths, okay, those non-truths, those lies, are pretty easy for us as the church to spot, correct? When you consider something like that. Now, again, it, it amazes me sometimes what creeps into the church, right? But for the most part, we can look out into the world and we can say, wow, how far we've come. Or how bad society has gotten. And, and, if, and if you haven't seen that lately, just turn on the news for about 10 or 15 minutes and you'll be discouraged and depressed and, and then you'll have your dose, okay? And uh, you'll see how bad the world has gotten. I believe that the devil is, as the song goes, a sly old fox, sly little fox. And I believe that he's constantly after us. And I don't think that those truths those things that he's doing in this world, the way that he's changing our society, are the attack that he's leveling against you and I. We know that the devil wants to maintain control of this world. We know John chapter 16, where you find yourself right now, uh, verse number uh, 8, it says, and when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin. If you jump down a little bit further, you would see that he would reprove the world of this sin because they believe not. And so the Holy Spirit is active and present in our world today. And he's telling them, hey, there's a God. You better believe. There's a God. You better believe. And he's doing that all amongst the lost world. The devil doesn't want them to hear that. And so he's spewing his lies. He's spewing his dissension. He is causing uh, people to be pulled away from God. We saw this in the very beginning, even when we consider Genesis chapter 3. And we see where Eve was pulled away. But you know what? At, uh, we, and we've heard these things. Don't turn me off here because of how simple these, this truth is at the beginning. We heard how Eve was deceived. And we know the yea hath God said, ye shall not surely die. We've heard how that wasn't a lie. Right? It wasn't a lie in its entirety. And that's what made it so dangerous. It contained the partial truth. And so when we consider the devil and his opposition to truth, we know that he's not going to come at us with things that on the onset we can notice right away as being a lie. He's going to come at us subtly. 
He's going to come at us through the back door. He's going to come at us in areas where we are already questioning in our mind, is this valid or is this true? He's going to hit us where it hurts. And he'll bring in that doubt and he'll bring in that fear. And the warning this evening and the challenge this evening is to be careful because the devil has a yea hath God said for you. He's got a yea hath God said for our church. I was reading this past week and I came across a statement and the statement is really what caused me to go down this specific path this evening. And the statement was made like this. Christian, trying to perform and measure up is an endless cycle of pressure on you and those you are trying to serve alongside. You cannot succeed in spiritual work when it's all about self-improvement or being like somebody else. Good so far, right? Yeah, we've got great truth here, don't we? Absolutely. Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. To say it plainly, he takes the pressure off. He points you first to himself, not to yourself, not to the work, and not to others. Why? So you can joyfully serve for the only purpose of pointing others to him, the only one who has ever accomplished the work. This is a true statement here, too. He is the one. Without him, we can do nothing, right? He has never, it's never about you. It's about him. His work, his way, nothing more, nothing less. And here's the quote in its entirety. And as I read this quote, I was like, man, it's good, 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 good. But right in the middle, I kind of got caught up in a phrase there. And it really hit me like, man, it sounds so good, but it's not right. I know in my spirit it's not right. You've ever been there? In your spirit, you just knew this is not right. It is, it's that Holy Spirit just speaking in you. And I read the phrase, I'm like, sounds good, sounds good. Man, what is it about this? And I had to find what was wrong with it. And so I dug into it and I focused in on this phrase here. To say it plainly, he takes the pressure off, period. He points you first to himself, not to yourself, not to the work, and not to others. This little section of the statement is predicated on a passage in Matthew chapter 11. So go ahead and turn there. We have to look. It's predicated on what Jesus said. You see in the phrase above there, Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And so to say it plainly, he takes the pressure off. Now, what he's speaking about, the author here that's writing, is speaking about your service to the Lord. He's speaking about there is no pressure in that, and, and that the Lord's just going to work through you, and he's the one that's going to do the only thing. Don't, and he's got a lot of good points. Don't rely upon yourself. But he threw this little twist right in the middle. He takes the pressure off. I'm all about the Bible has different... Uh, you can look at a, a passage of scripture and you can have an inspirational interpretation of it, right? And that's what we do when we come to Matthew chapter 11. We often take the inspirational application from this passage. When we read this here, and we start in verse number 27, he says, All things are delivered unto me of my Father, and no man knoweth the Son but the Father. Neither knoweth any man the Father save the Son, and he to whomsoever the Son will reveal him. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. 
Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That one verse there, chapter, verse 27, gives a little bit of the context, but even if you read back a little further, the whole context of this passage is not about the burden of service being lifted from your shoulders, but directly speaking to the burden of salvation being lifted from your shoulders. That you no longer have to toil under the burden of earning your way to Christ. That his yoke is easy and his burden is light and you can come to the Father through the Son. And that's the only way and that's what he was saying in verse number 27 there. And so I understand the, the inspirational part of this passage. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. But I also understand, understand the the context of this passage and so for this author to take this one phrase here and now apply it to the area of service he's going a little bit outside of the bounds is he completely wrong well had to continue to dig on it i had to continue to look about what my service should be like to look to the lord and i began to look at some very familiar passages like matthew chapter 28 verse 19 what do we see? Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. Many of you know it by heart. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit. Holy Ghost. Okay, so wait a second here. I just ended up in a commandment, didn't I? Does that sound like the pressure is off when it comes to my service to the Lord? Oh, no, I have a command. All right? So first of all, there's a, there's a command. Go ye therefore. Go ye therefore. You say, well, what's the problem? I really feel like you're, you're picking at a straw. Well, just, just hang in with me here. 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse number 2. Let's continue to learn about what my service to the Lord, my spiritual work in the Lord should be. First of all, we see my spiritual work. He commands it. 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse number 2. Not only does he command it, but he requires it of me. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2 says, Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. So my service to the Lord, first of all, is started off with a command, and then a requirement is brought up right behind that. We know in Matthew chapter 25, we have the parable of the stewards. And we have that unfaithful steward who, who didn't reap. What the Lord said to him, look over there, Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25, verse 24. Again, so, you know, you follow along kind of with my mindset here. I'm reading this. It doesn't sound right. I start to look at what my service looks like. I see that there's a commandment. I see that there's a requirement to service, an expectation here. In Matthew chapter 25, verse 24, it says, Then he which had received one talent came and said, Lord, I knew that thou art a hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown, and gathering where thou hast not strawed. And I was afraid, and went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, there hast thou, uh, there hast that is thine. His Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knewest that I reap where I sowed not, and gather where I have not strawed. Thou oughtest therefore to put my money to the exchangers. And then at my coming, I should have received mine own with usury. Take therefore the talent from him, and give it unto him which hath ten talents. Man, we see the, 
the, the, uh, the attitude of the master as he returned and, and, and spoke to his servant there. Slothful. Wicked and slothful servant. I've given you something and you didn't do anything with it. So we have, know that the, the steward has a great requirement placed upon him then. From the word of God. As we continue on, let's jump, over to, or jump back, if you would, to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. So I'm thinking about my service. I'm thinking about what I do. Does God take the pressure off of my service? Is that really the absolute truth here? Or, or has he thrown a little nugget right in the middle of this, this truth that derails me? Because what, after all, what do I feel when I read this when it comes to my service? I feel pretty good. It's not a call to any higher service. It's just kind of going to happen. Doesn't really take any work on my part. The pressure's off. The pressure's off. The pressure's off. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse number 9, the Bible says, For we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry. You are God's building. Skip down to verse number 12. Now if any man build upon the foundation gold, silver, precious stone, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire. And the fire shall try every man's works of what sort it is. If any man's work abide which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. And if any man's work shall be burned, it shall suffer loss. He, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. And so we saw a command, we saw a requirement, and now we see that there's a reward for our service and what we do here on this earth, what we do with the talents that God has given us, what we do with the gift of salvation that he's given us. Finally this evening, jump to Matthew chapter 28. Again, another very familiar verse, and I'm considering my job here, 19 and 20, Matthew 28. We've already looked at verse 19. Verse number 20, it says, teaching them to observe all things. All right? So we're back about our service here. We've gone with the gospel, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. And so, in fact, yes, the Holy Spirit... Has a, the, the, the Lord has a commandment for us. He has uh, a requirement of our service. He rewards our service. And, as we see here, he enables us in our service. Important truth. In the context, in what the man has spoken here, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Does God take the pressure off of us in serving him? And I believe when I read this, and I, I know you could look at it there, when I, when, I, when I look at this, I see somebody who slipped a little truth in to cause us to be complacent. To cause us to be a little apathetic. I don't see anywhere in God's word where as the result of my salvation, he takes the pressure off of me going with the gospel. Everywhere he comes, with, he comes with the truth is that it's time for me to go. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us put off the works of darkness. 
Hey, get focused on the task at hand is the, is the challenge. You, you've got a commandment. You've got a requirement. There's rewards. And hey, I've enabled you. And don't do it in your flesh. And I agree with that. And that's where I have such a problem with this little phrase here. He doesn't take the pressure off. He wants us to be in the yoke with him. He wants us to be doing it in his spirit. He wants us to be doing it in his feeling, filling. He wants us to be in the yoke with him. But I don't know any part of being in the yoke with Christ indicates that there's not a burden for you to carry. Is the pressure off? And you say, oh, that's such a subtlety. Such a little thing. Or it depends on how you look at it. If you look at it with a critical spirit, it can say that. If you don't, it won't. I tried to look at it objectively and the truth of the matter is I've seen more and more and more of this kind of thing creeping into Bible teaching that you hear today. More and more that causes us to take a break. More and more that causes us to take a step back. Whereas when we look at our society today, the truth of the matter is they need us more than ever. And it's time for us to be busy more than ever. It's not time to, to let off the gas pedal. It's time to push down on the gas pedal. But, the, but the, the thing that's being stated here is it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. You're okay where you're at. I have no problem at all with 95% of the truth there. But the part... That he says, take, he takes the pressure off. No. He wants us to go. And he's got a job for you and I to do. And you know what? No one else can do it. Ye are his husbandry. Ye are his builders. So, I come back to my initial idea tonight. And that was truth. And the idea of truth. And how important it is. I want you to turn to Psalm chapter 86 and verse number 11. Psalms 86 verse 11. When we consider this, this phrase here and the idea of he takes the pressure off. I consider men like Paul. Who looked at everything he did as though it was a race. And he's looking towards the finish line. When he looked at things like, hey, we're in a fight. Do, do any of this, does any of this terminology that Paul is using describing the Christian life talk about the pressure being off? A fight? A race? Warfare? None of it indicates the pressure coming off. But he does often speak about how we will be sustained. How he will carry us through. How being in that yoke is what's going to make the difference. And that's where the danger is. As Christians, we want to yoke up with Christ in salvation. But in the general term of Christianity in the world today, we don't want to pull along with him. We don't want to fight the fight for him that we've been left here to do. We want comfortable. We want easy we want no resistance. We want to do our own thing and we want to feel good about ourselves all the time. 
And so the pressure being off sounds really good. But that's not the truth. We've got a race. The night is coming. The day is at hand. The Savior is preparing to meet us in the air. Everything about the Word of God is urgency when it comes to the service of the believer. Urgency, urgency, urgency. And so I believe that these are an example. And maybe you don't even agree with the example. And I'm fine with that. (laughs) I believe you'd be disagreeing with the word of God. but And I've laid it out so you can see that. But that's okay. That's up to you. But I do want you to see tonight and agree with me on the idea that the devil is subtle. And he wants to slip in any way he can. And he's going to do it by hitting you where your heart is divided. And that's where he becomes dangerous. And that's where we find ourselves in Psalms 86, verse 11. It says there in the first phrase, well, let's just read the whole verse together. Teach me thy way, O Lord. I will walk in thy truth. Unite my heart to fear thy name. This is such a powerful verse, and And as I was looking at this here, this idea of truth, and came upon this verse, it it just struck me. You look at that first phrase there, teach me thy way. Man, the psalmist knew the Lord. He knew all about the Lord. He He had a heart after God. But he comes to him and says, Lord, teach me. I want to go back to school with you. Will you you teach me something here? I, I, I want to learn of you. I'm submitting myself unto you. Teach me the truth here. You know, this is oftentimes when it comes to truth and the idea of truth, this is where we make the first mistake. Is a lot of times we come to the Lord with, instead of teach me, we come to the Lord with, give me my way. Give me my way. This is what I want. This is what I want. And you know what? The Lord can never deal in truth with us when we come with these preconceived ideas because then we can contort and twist everything the way we want it to be. But the psalmist comes with, teach me thy way. And then he says, teach me thy way, O Lord. I will walk in thy truth. When I first read this verse, it seemed like it was, should have been flipped the other way. Teach me thy truth, and I will walk in your way. Show me what's right, and then I'll go that direction. But that's missing the point of what he's saying here. The way and truth are the same thing. They always are the same thing. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. They're combined together. What the psalmist is asking the Lord here is saying, hey, I want the way of truth. Teach me the way of truth. Will you establish me? Show me which way to go. I want truth. And the challenge I want to bring to you this evening is, do you want truth to be spoken to you by God? Do you want to receive his truth? Are you willing in your own personal Christian life to submit, to go before God and say, God, no matter what it is, I want truth from you. You see there, he talks about at the end of that phrase that you would unite my heart. And that's what the result of, he said here, the way of truth put me in that way. And the result of that would be a united heart. 
You see, our hearts are so often double-minded. And that's what, the de- uh, that's what the psalmist was struggling with here. Trusting in God or being afraid. I want to trust in you, but I'm afraid. I want to trust in you, but I'm afraid. I want to trust in you, but I'm afraid. Teach me the way of truth. And he knew that if he would receive truth from God, if he would open his heart up, that the Lord would speak to him and give him exactly what he needed to unify his heart. There is so much need in our world. There are so, it's so obvious to identify. But the truth is that we've got a lot of needs in our own hearts. And we can point at all of the things going on in the world and say, look at this, they want me to call him or her. How ridiculous is this? And yes, it's, it's the attack of the enemy. But I bet you the devil's hitting you a little closer to home. I bet the devil's got an attack that's a little more precisely aimed for you as the believer. You can see that one coming a mile away. But he wants to come into your life and he wants to derail you. And he wants to keep you from serving. And so he's going to throw little subtle distractions in. He's going to throw subtle little things in your life where he can cause your heart that is divided to be split. He doesn't want you to have unity in your heart. He doesn't want singleness of mind in your life. And so he's going to come in with those attacks. He's going to hit you right where it is. And I don't know what that is. That attack that he may be hitting you with where he's just the yea hath God said. Maybe it's an area of fear in your life. Maybe it's an area of discouragement. Maybe it's an area of anxiety. Maybe it's an area of your finances. Maybe it's an area of being committed to him. I mean, you could go through lists on and on and on. What is the devil trying to get you at? But the point is that all of us are a little split in our lives. You know, the famous quote of D.L. Moody about the world is yet to see what God could do through one man, wholly given to him. Are we wholly given over to God? The truth is there's it seems to be there's always a part of us that was just struggling that's not brought into unity. And through little subtleties, the devil wants to get in there and pull us off track. And my challenge to you tonight, to the church family, this is not for the world, this is not for anyone else, this is for us that are sitting in this room. Will you seek after the way of truth? Will you go before the Lord and say, Lord, I want you to reveal in me. And this is what truth does. It points it out. It brings it to the surface. Lord, I want you to reveal in me those areas of my heart that are not united with you. And I want you to work in me. I believe that this area of service and reaching the world with the gospel is just one of the ways the devil wants us to take the pressure off. I think we've got a world that needs the gospel. They need people to go out and go with. And I think this is a big area where a lot of us, our hearts are divided. We want to do it and we know it's important, but the spirit's willing and the flesh is weak. Or no, (laughs) the other way around. The flesh is strong. And it overcomes our spirit. We want to do it, but there's always this little reason why we can't. There's this little area that the devil just knows that 
eh, you do this. And he can slip that little truth in there. But it's so many areas. And I, I was, as I was reading this and I was thinking about this, and I'm not nitpicking, that's why I didn't put, even put the guy that's up there, because it, it spoke to me about where I'm at in my own life when I was reading it. Steve, you can see this on this page. Your spirit says there's something wrong with this. But what about, and put another area, he, the Holy Spirit hit me with it right there. But what about this? And drop the truth bomb as you were. He said, but what about this? You can see it there, but what about this? And what about it? What, what area, what, what place of your life do you not let truth penetrate? I'm not saying you don't love the Lord. I'm not saying that you don't have a desire to do what's right. But you won't let the inner secret, you won't let that area be exposed. And I'll be frank with you. And I think if we were all honest together, there's probably a dark corner somewhere. And we're just holding on to it. We would never look at it as though we're holding off a portion of our heart. But... Truth cannot penetrate that area. The psalmist is in this place of a divided heart. And he recognizes that in himself. And he comes to the Lord and says, Lord, I want the way of truth. I want a united heart. I want singleness of mind and I want to be able to serve you with all my mind, soul, and strength. Put me in the way of truth. Put me in the way of truth. And the challenge for all of us this evening is just that. Truth. Are you in the way of truth? Can the Lord reach those crevices? Can he get into the innermost parts of your heart? Are you willing to listen to what he says, what he has to say to you? Community Baptist Temple has great opportunities in front of us. And even as we consider our program that we're in right now, the Lord wants to accomplish great things. And He wants souls to be saved, and He wants these buses to be increased, and and He wants classrooms to be filled, and He wants this auditorium to be packed out, all for His glory. And this is where I agree with this man, that it's not up to me. It is not up to me to bring the fruit But the pressure is not off because it is up to me to go. And that's what he sneaks in there. That's what the subtlety is like, oh, it's just going to happen. Well, who's going to do it? Who's going to get the job done? He gave us that Holy Spirit and that indwelling presence so we could go. No, I do not agree with it. The pressure is not off, but it is a great privilege. It's not a burden. And that's where his misconception comes from. That this is a burden to serve the Lord. It's not a burden. Because I'm inside the yoke with him. And I'm indwelt by his Holy Spirit's presence. And he's the one that is filling me. And his spirit is flowing out of me. But I've got to go. How shall they hear? Without a preacher. Little subtleties that detract and take away from the truth of God's word. And when our heart is divided, it sounds good. 
And that's how it is whenever God wants to speak truth to us. We can find all the justification. We can find all the reasoning. We can find all the ways to avoid the conviction. I think in a way, even in my own life, I've kind of mastered the idea of confessing and moving on from it without ever changing. (laughs) And so I continue on the path I've been on, but I've scratched a little bit of the itch. We need truth. And the world is going to hate it more and more and more. And the more that is spoken, and you know what? What I find is that the church is going to hate truth more and more too. They're not going to like to hear this. The church as a whole today, and not Community Baptist, but out in the world, as a whole, they don't want the pressure to be on. They want to come in, check in, check out, and that's done. I'm done for the week. It's not even really the point of the message. The point is truth. And what area of your life does God want to reach? He wants us to be obedient. He wants to work through us. Will we submit to him? Teach me thy way. Show me thy truth. Unite my heart. Do you have a divided heart tonight? So is there an area of your life where it's like, I really know I should, but I don't want to? I really know I should, but I don't want to. It's probably a pretty common phrase, even as I say it out loud, thinking, yeah, I've heard that before. The truth of God. The truth of his word will reveal this and bring it out in us. So I want to encourage you this evening to pursue truth. Let the preaching of God's word penetrate deep into your heart. There's been a phrase on my mind recently, a scriptural phrase. Break up the fallow ground. It's been something I've been working on personally. Break up the fallow ground. It's that crust that forms over top of the soft, tender soil. But it's, it's really hard to walk through. It's really hard to break through it. I was driving through Amish country the other day and I saw a farmer out and he had six, six mules or six horses, Amish guy, pulling just a couple, just a couple furrows. Man, what does he need? Six horses to br- break up just a couple furrows. But it's the first plowing of the season. And that fallow ground is there. It takes a lot of extra force. Later on in the season, he'll be able to do that with just a couple of those horses. But right now it took six of them. Because it's not easy. And if you want truth to penetrate, it's not going to be easy. But if you open up yourself to it, like the psalmist did here and said, Lord, I want to go back to school. I want to go back to the school of truth. Teach me. I believe the Lord's got something for us. He's got something for us all. And he wants to reveal it through his word. So I want to encourage you. Just jump in a little bit deeper. Jump in a little bit deeper. Get in a little bit deeper to his word. Let it penetrate deep into your heart. Open your ears to the preaching. Listen to your pastor. Listen to the teaching that's taking place. And let the Lord and his truth penetrate our hearts. Let's not become cold to it like the world who wants to have their own version of truth all the time. But let there be one word. Let it be yea and let it be nay. And let it be established in our hearts.
Father, do thank you for this evening. I thank you for the privilege it is to be here tonight, church. Lord, to be a part of the service this evening. I do pray, Lord, that you would uh, bless us. Uh, Lord, even as we now come to a time of invitation, Lord, and uh, as we consider truth and the importance of it, Lord, I pray that we would allow your word to penetrate. Uh, Lord, I, I don't know where, man, where all the men and women in this room are at spiritually. Uh, Lord, but I know where I'm at, and I know that we're all pretty common. There's nothing new about man, Lord. We have so many similar struggles. Lord, I know that we need and I need your truth in my life. So, Lord, I pray that you would help us to have an open heart, open ears to receive your word with gladness. Lord, if there is an area of our life that you want to expose with truth, that you want to strengthen, that you want to firm up, Lord, I pray that we would respond with a humble and obedient heart. In Jesus' name we pray. Go ahead and stand this evening if you would as the piano.